0: One thing that is often overlooked in the real estate investing community is the proper management of back-end tasks, such as accounting, bookkeeping, and systems to optimize cash flow on properties. So you see, most investors love the deal analyzing and the actual hunt for another property, but oftentimes get bogged down with the back-end tasks. Imagine having the liberty to be able to focus on the actual money-making activities while everything else is handled properly with actual systems and processes. Well, our guest today provides a solution that not only helps you accomplish this, but it's at a fraction of the cost that you would normally pay someone to be doing this for you. Stephanie Bihari offers real estate investors the ability to hire fractional CFO. It's a concept I've never seen in the real estate investor space, which really honestly got me excited to have her on. I believe looking back in two years from now, this will be a concept talked about by all investors and will become a mainstay in the community. If you're new to the show, my name is Tom Moffitt, and I'm joined by my good buddy and co-host Brandon Love. Our show is geared towards helping Canadians achieve financial independence through real estate, investing, and Entrepreneurship. So if that sounds like you, be sure to follow along. So with that being said, let's dive right into it.
1: Hello, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of The Invested Entrepreneur. Brandon Love here with my good buddy, Tom Moffitt, and a special guest, Stephanie Bihari from reifinance.ca. Today, we're going to do a deep dive into Stephanie's journey to FI her investing strategy, and go over three shortfalls and pitfalls that real estate investors make. So Stephanie, thanks for joining us.
2: Thanks so much for having me. Always happy to talk about these topics.
1: Yeah, I think it's something that we always need to go back on and remind people of because if you can identify some of these mistakes other people make, you can avoid them yourself. And that saves so much heartbreak, money, and frustration, which in the long term keeps you in the game and keeps that compounding effect going.
2: Exactly. And that's really what I'm doing here is I'm just trying to help people. I'm trying to use my knowledge as a CPA and as well as this real estate investor myself and just bring all that knowledge together to the industry and just help as many people as I can.
0: Yeah. And the cool thing is you've got the inside look on the back end because to give you listeners context, I reached out to you through Instagram I forget how you popped up on my feed, but I stumbled upon your profile. I was like, oh, that's a really cool like description of what you're doing to help people. So then I did a deep dive. I'm like, this would be really cool to have you on the podcast. So why don't you explain to listeners what it is exactly you do?
2: Yeah, so I did recently leave my nine to five job and we can kind of get into that whole journey in a second. But right now what I'm doing is I'm an entrepreneur. I started a business and I'm taking my love of real estate and my over 10 years experience as a CPA and I'm bringing those together to provide fractional CFO services in the real estate investing community. And so ultimately I'm just trying to help real estate investors gain that financial clarity in order for them to really level up their businesses
1: confidently. Nice. That's awesome. I think that's such a shortfall that a lot of people have is they have like an entrepreneur's mindset when it comes to risk and growth and wanting to do these things. But the financial piece is sometimes what's missing. And, you know, they try to fill the gaps with like QuickBooks and other software and tools. But if you don't have the insights in how those numbers work, it just leaves you quite short
2: exactly and real estate investors tend to want to grow really quickly and so i feel like if you're not doing it the right way and if you're not looking at your numbers and really understanding what's actually going on and it can be kind of dangerous moving so fast and you know just taking on so much all at once
1: so as a fractional cfo kind of what does that hourly look like in terms of like if someone's saying I need help on this side, is it like an hours per week they could type do? Or is it like, hey, I'm gonna do a strategy for you. How does your consulting and services look that way? So
2: really I geared around value and what value can I bring to the table? I know when real estate investors come to me, they're at a point A and they're trying to get to a point B. And so my job is to ultimately help them get there. So I am one of those accountants that I don't look at my work on an hourly basis at any point in time. It's ultimately about how can I help my client get from point A to point B and what value can I bring to the table? And so I structure all my offerings and all my services around specifically what is going on in that investor's business and what will bring the most amount of value to them specifically. And so all my service packages are customized.
0: Oh, that's cool. Okay. Is that for specifically investors who have a certain amount of properties or can it be anyone from starting with their first all the way to someone that has like 10 plus properties?
2: So I definitely think CFO services are something that all sorts of investors should be doing to some extent. It's whether that you have the capacity to do it yourself or whether you'd like to hire out. And so right now I'm structuring all my services around the scale of the investor. So right now I'm building a downloadable CFO yourself program. And so that will be for those investors that are sort of more in the one to three property range where they are still managing their finances themselves. You know, they just started and probably might not have the cash flow to hire someone. And so I will have services for them. I then suggest that, you know, host three properties. You're kind of getting to the point where you probably need to start looking at an accounting software, maybe QuickBooks. You might need to start hiring a bookkeeper because then, you know, you can continue to focus the scale of your business. But you still have someone making sure your finances are in order behind the scenes. In addition to having the bookkeeper, I would suggest having... CFO together with that. And so it could be more simple tasks like helping you manage your cash flow, helping you to understand your numbers, helping to create a growth plan for you. And so that's where CFO can come in. And then, sort of, when you're kind of really scaling and you're at the six, seven, maybe eight or more properties, you really need to have that CFO on as part of your power team because ultimately they're the ones that are going to be holding your hands through all your strategy and all your planning and really helping you to look ahead, create budgets, create forecasts, you know, help with investor relations when you have investors in your projects and your portfolio is just very large so you need at that point in time someone to really be there managing the entire thing. So it's a very much hands-up approach at that time.
0: I agree with that. I think if you're at that point and you have like 6 plus properties, you either a have a lot of cash flow coming in from somewhere to these properties so you want to manage your time properly or you're just really good at finding deals and you want to stick to doing that in order to keep growing and not get bogged down by all of the back end like taxes, accounting, all that stuff. So I think it's a really unique approach and solution that I've personally never seen. With that being said, how did you stumble into this? Like, maybe give us a backstory as to how you got into that. Sure. Um,
2: so if I took it way, way back, I've always had a love of real estate investing. Like from a teenager, I used to, you know, dream about owning properties. I tried to convince my parents to buy properties, and I didn't really know where it was coming from, but it was, I guess, always there. And so when I was able to do so, I did start to buy properties myself with my husband at the time and so we you know did some flip properties we did conversions adding units doing some house hacking and you know finding jv partners buying multifamily properties and then ultimately we did more passive lending meanwhile at that time i was building my career in corporate finance and i had thought that's where i was gonna kind of stay for the long run but after i had my first child i then realized that just the work-life balance was just not working for me it was just a lot of long hours as an accountant. And I just did not feel that connection with my family anymore. After I went back from my maternity leave, it was really, really hard for me. And it was a really hard time. So I kind of dug deep and kind of tried to figure out, well, what is my purpose in life? Why am I here? Like, what is my legacy that I'm leaving behind? Like, I want to show my kids that I'm doing something meaningful, because that's what I want for them. And so I kind of went down a journey, just uncovering all of that. And that's when I really figured out that I wanted to be an entrepreneur. And so I started to brainstorm on what are my strengths? What do I love? And how can I bring that all together into a service for someone? And so that's where I came into this idea, because I love real estate investing, I saw a need in the industry that, you know, finances were just something that investors hated doing, staying far away from it. That was actually the place that I loved being like, every time I was you know, analyzing a deal or managing finances of a property, that was my favorite part. So I was like, well, why don't I take this on? And so it took me some time to figure out how I was going to structure this service. Because at first I was like, maybe I should do bookkeeping. Should I do taxes? Of course, everyone thinks CPAs, like they do taxes. And so that's the common... thought process, but I found that since I had 10 years of experience in corporate finance and I specialize in financial planning and analysis, why not bring all that that I did in my corporate job to real estate investors. And I found that I could easily bring those services and apply it directly to this industry because it's needed. The planning and the forecasting and the budgeting and the analytics it's all needed to understand your business. I always say once you own your first property, you own a business. So you should treat it like one.
1: I love that you combine kind of like the passion you had for real estate and then the pain point there of like how you're feeling in your job. I feel like a lot of entrepreneurs before they make that step, they have that pain at work, Mm -hmm. but then you had an opportunity to apply a unique set of skills. and I'm sure you hit the nail on the head right there with finding clients because it's such a powerful combination of Points there because you're so motivated and you have something so unique that separates you from the rest of the pack.
2: Exactly, and I think on the one side, like what you mentioned, I love the fact that really nobody else is really doing it. I mean, yeah, there's probably a couple of people here and there, but I don't know too much about them, and maybe they're just starting to find it as well. But then I also find it's quite interesting is because this is sort of new to the market. People have kind of taken a while to get used to it. They're like CFO services. What is a CFO? And this is the part that's kind of a little scary or concerning is that other industries are very familiar with fractional CFO services, but the real estate investing community seems to have no clue what it is. And so that's the part where I'm like, I want that education that this is needed, right? This is needed to manage your business, right? And it's not just, you know, a nice to have. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, I feel like the real estate investing community, the one thing they lack is the vision of like their real estate investing portfolio it's got to be a business like you mentioned earlier you yeah. got to operate as a business and i think that's why they're forgetting about managing all of the back-end expenses taxes cash flow and another big issue with investors is cash flow like they're very equity heavy and yeah. they know in the long term when they sell the properties it's gonna be well worth it but from a cash flow perspective especially here in ontario like they don't have much of it So if you have someone like you coming in and coaching them along the way saying, hey, here's how you can improve your cash flow, then you can allocate that towards your everyday life or even towards another property in the future. So I think it's needed. Why don't we dive into the topic of the episode, which is three common pitfalls that real estate investors make. And I think This will be really cool because you've got that insight on the back end there. Yeah. So why don't we start off with the first one?
2: Sure. Yeah. So I definitely think the first one is just around tools and systems. Investors tend to, you know, run straight into their property and they don't have the proper back end set up. So I just noticed that what needs to happen is, you know, getting that education on how to manage your finances, getting that education on what tools and systems you should have in place in order to do that is definitely the first pitfall that I see.
0: Okay, cool. And what would be like one system that someone could implement? When you say system, are you talking about like different software spreadsheets?
2: Yeah, so that depends on where you are in your investing journey. So when you're first starting out, definitely getting into the habit of sitting down on a monthly basis, and running your cash flow through a spreadsheet. That's probably the easiest way to do it. You know, logging in your income, documenting your expenses, and really having a look at where your money went. All the money came in, all the money went out or how much you have left and really understanding, you know, the puts and takes, right? And understanding that, you know, you could potentially forecast that out as well and kind of looking at the next couple steps. Be, okay, this is how this month played out. Well, what about the next couple of months? Am I in a cash positive position? Am I in a cash negative position? How can I plan to, you know, mitigate any risks? And so just sitting down and having that spreadsheet and looking at the ins and outs is helpful for a beginner real estate investor. Once you start leveling up and having multiple properties and you start getting into an accounting software, that's very helpful because it really helps to organize the data for you. So that's what I suggest for leveling up investors. And then again, if once you're at the 7-8 property, for example, if you're working with the CFO, I then add on additional systems like analytics softwares that I pull data out of QuickBooks and I you know, kind of massage it and make it look you know, presentable and nice graphs and reports that really tell the story about what's going on in your business.
1: Nice. That's awesome. Just a quick question on that. For any investors who are trying to like put together a proposal type service, is that something you could do forecast for and that kind of package in advance of a project? Is that a service you would do?
2: So when you say proposal, you're referring to like a forecast on how a specific deal will play out. Like, for example, if you're going to buy a property, you kind of have an estimate of what the income's going to be, what the expenses are going to be. And you're kind of trying to project how it will look on a monthly basis for you.
1: Yeah, exactly. And then to also then take that and put it to a lender or Mm -hmm. you know a group of investors who might look to finance it type thing.
2: Yeah. So do you help with projections. And so I could help with that. I also do help with budgets. And so if someone's looking to take on a big project right off the bat, you know, they're looking to you know demolish the building and rebuild, I could help to create a budget for that project. There's two things I kind of stay far away from is one is just investment advice. I don't provide any investment advice. I am an accountant, but I'm not an investment advisor. So I don't you know, calculate deals for people and say, hey, this is a good investment or this is not a good investment. Like I just, I take the numbers from you and I put it together and you make the decision. And then the second one is I am not a tax accountant. It's not my specialty. So I always do recommend anything relating to tax that you talk to an accountant that specializes in that area.
0: I, mean, I, I think that's a good call that you see your clear of that because I, I could see that going south if you're like advising people of oh, you know what? Like this is a great deal. I just analyzed it myself. Like here you go. Cause then mm-hmm. if the backfires are going to come to you. So I think exactly I think there's got to be a lot of like situations though where you get into that situation where it's like, hey man, I, I can't touch this right now. That's up to you if you want to analyze and go forward with that deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Exactly.
1: And we have
0: that a lot too in our business as well. Yeah, we do. are like, Hey, is this a good investment or is this a
1: good time to buy? And we're like, for you, maybe yeah. like, we can't tell you to do anything here, but you have to take everything that's presented to you. And then you have to make the final analysis and pull the trigger yourself.
2: Yeah. And the other thing is that finances are just very personal. Right. And, what might be a good decision for one person is not a good decision for the other. And I think it ultimately comes down to well, what are your objectives? Like, what are you trying to get out of this yeah. property, right? Are you looking for appreciation? Are you looking for cash flow? Are you looking for, you know, Somewhere to vacation. Like, what is the intention here? Right. It should be meeting your objectives, right? Not meeting my objectives.
0: Exactly. It's everyone's personal situation. Like, one person might want that cash flow heavy property, whereas, like, one person that's doing really well in their business and they just want to offset, park their money into real estate, like, they can go forward with something that might be a bit more cash flow negative. And I know that's like a faux pas for a lot of real estate investors, but I think what a lot of people don't realize is real estate investors typically, like I mentioned before, they're very cash flow strapped. They don't have that active cash flow business unless they're doing like active flipping on a regular basis. Whereas like business owners that are investing in real estate passively, they can afford to have a few properties here and there that are cash flow negative.
2: Potentially, yeah. If they have income from other sources. Yeah. Right. And I do notice, well, it's probably not a recent trend, but what I do notice with a lot of investors is that because they aren't cash flow heavy they do have complementary businesses that they do add to their portfolio so a lot of them are coaching maybe they're okay. becoming a mortgage broker, maybe they're becoming a real estate agent, a contractor. so there's a lot of like ancillary businesses that are relating to the real estate investing community. And that helps to bring in more of the cash flow on that so that they can then continue to invest and just to diversify, really. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, we've seen a couple of mortgage brokers join the scene. They were first real estate investors and then they entered and they had this natural circle of investors around them that they actually like hit it out of the gates like really quickly because of mm-hmm. like all of the referrals they had coming in. So We've seen that for sure. So before we go to the next one, like back to the first tip, would it be safe to say that a lot of people spend a lot of time analyzing their deal with their own spreadsheet. And then after that, they kind of just like put it to the side. Yeah. okay. That's
2: typically what happens, I find, is that there's a whole bunch of focus on when you're getting the deal. And I think maybe this is where that's where they're getting a lot of their coaching, right? Their coaching is helping with how to analyze deals, how to get that property. And so... The piece that needs to come after is the education around, well, how do you manage that property? Like, what's the financial management that happens after the fact? Because you're in that for the long run, right? So you need to be able to stay consistent and stay on top of it. Mm
1: -hmm. Awesome. Okay, so point number two, what is the second mistake you see the most?
2: Point number two is definitely the behaviors behind managing your property. And so it's the monthly check-ins. It's the staying consistent and really just you know, making sure that you're staying on top of it on a monthly basis, because like I said, you know, you kind of go off and you start looking for other deals or, you know, you put your finances to the side because maybe it's not the most fun. Maybe you don't really understand it. Maybe again, you don't have the right systems in place. And so it just falls to the side. And so that's a big pitfall that I see happening.
1: Yeah, I can see that for sure. People kind of get the first one, it's shiny and new, and you're super into it. And then you move on to deal four or five and you're like, oh, okay the receipts for deal number one don't matter anymore. you talking yeah, exactly. about
2: me? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> for Or all
1: investors. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyone with an entrepreneur's mind kind of has that like, oh, oh yeah, world, so. 100% yes, man. Exactly. So when you're coming up with kind of like that monthly check-in from your standpoint, in my business, I use a lot of checklists and different things for everything. Yeah. Is that something you're recommending to investors to put together or are you putting together that for them?
2: So if I'm managing the finances, I would have to check this on my end, but you were managing the finances for yourself. Definitely have a checklist going. That's what I do myself when I'm doing my own finances. I have a running list of what I do every single month, you know, log my income, log my expenses, take a step back, look at trends. Of, um, you know, did something skyrocket this month? Is something low this month? You know, what sort of cash flow am I left with at the end of the day? Is this what I expected from the deal? Am I happy with this? you know, how are things going? And, you know, just taking a step back and just analyzing it, run through my checklist of all the things I need to do. And then I rinse and repeat, right? And if I start to see things going off, then I start, you know, pivoting, right? The one thing is that in this industry, you have to be able to change, right? You have to be able to pivot and make changes, right? And so not everything's going to go smoothly. And so you have to be able to, one, recognize it. And you can't recognize it unless you're sitting down and looking at it. And then two, take action, right? I notice I'm consistently in a negative cash flow position. What can I do? You know, there's two sides of the equation. Sometimes people always think, oh, I have to cut back on my expenses, right? Well, there's the other side. How can you increase income, right? Yeah. There's many options. So take a look at what are the options to you. And will start implementing some of those changes ahead of time. So you're not stuck you know, dishing out cash flow every single month and not even realizing it.
1: For sure. Yeah, absolutely. I think having that perspective of like a third party looking at your business and saying, hey, you're playing too defensively right now, or you need to turn on the offense and get some more cash flow from a washing machine or something in this building, like different strategies like that, where you're looking at it and you're saying, hey, you can do this. It takes the emotional component out of the investment.
2: Yeah, and it's also like it's teamwork, right? And so I think that's the component that I like about, you know, being that partner in someone's business is that this is the area that I love to look at and I love to talk about, but I want it to be a partnership. So let's sit down and let's strategize together. Like, what are some of your ideas? Like, what are you seeing as opportunities? And what am I seeing as opportunities? And, you know, let's come together and make a plan together and let's work on it together. So you're not so alone trying to make that decision and just feeling like, am I doing this right? You know, sometimes it's quite isolating because only you are in that deal potentially, and you're not really sure who to turn to and how to get the support.
1: Mm -hmm, For sure.
0: And when you say monthly, you personally, with your own properties, or even for clients that are elected for the completely hands off package that you offer, are you like sitting down once a month and you're time blocking like two hours to go through everything? Or is it a weekly basis where you're time blocking half hour, hour? Like, I know it's going to be different for everyone because they have different properties, but. Maybe give us like a generalization.
2: I would say I check in multiple times for those clients that are fully hands off. The ones that are fully, fully hands off tend to be quite scaled and large. There's so many different components to their business. And so I can't possibly check all of it all at the same time. So, you know, on a weekly basis, I might be checking into this business or that business or that specific property. If I know that one's the trouble property, I want to, you know, check on that often. And so on a weekly basis, I might be looking at any component of their business. There's also going to be a component of looking ahead. So I'm not only looking in the past, but now I'm looking ahead, right? I'm looking to see if, you know, trends are starting to change. How is cash flow looking? If I projected out a month or two, are we still in a good place? Like, is there enough reserves in this property? So there's a ton of different things I could be looking at. And so obviously I do it on a weekly basis. And so for that investor that's probably only has one property, probably doesn't have to do it on a weekly basis like that. I would say at very least a monthly basis, but even for my own personal property, kind of mid-month, I kind of just open up my bank accounts and I just do like an eyeball sweep of, you know, is everything as I expected here? You know, did all rent come in? I see my expenses going out. Those look kind of okay. You know, obviously I still have cash in the bank. You know, I kind of just do like a sweep. And then at the end of the month, I then sit down and I log everything in. I really take a look at what's going on. And then I start looking ahead. Okay, this month came in like this. What do I expect in the next couple of months? Any changes I need to make? And then I do like my distributions, my distributing cash flow or anything like that. Cool.
0: Yeah. And I think that would be wise, like whether you have one or 10 properties, it'd be better to start off more frequently. Like you mentioned, like at least semi-monthly, mm-hmm. and maybe even weekly, just to get the habit ingrained. Yeah. Because I know for me, if I did once a month, take a bit to get back into the process of like, okay, sitting down now, I have to go through this, this, and this. Whereas like if you're doing it on a weekly basis, you're gonna install that habit. It's be quicker for you to get into it. Yeah. And shorter bursts sometimes work better than like time blocking two hours at a time every month to get through it.
2: Definitely. Yeah. And so again, this comes up where you know finance is completely personal. So you have to find the system that works for you.
1: Exactly. So I know like we kind of talked about as you scale your team. So you might start with a bookkeeper and then you might add you to the mix. Are you working as a complement to that bookkeeper or do your services take over for that bookkeeper?
2: I work as a complement. So right now, my business does not provide bookkeeping directly, as in I don't have employees that do bookkeeping. So what I've done is I've partnered with other bookkeeping businesses and also tax professionals that are all in the real estate investing community. And so when a client does come to me and says, you know, I am interested in your CFO services. However, I don't actually have a bookkeeper. I don't have a tax accountant. I can then, you know, use my partnerships that I've built in order to get a package together that includes everything. And so I do provide full suite financial management. So the bookkeeper would take care of inputting everything into your software of choice. I do work primarily with QuickBooks and then I would sort of take over what you know, everything is within QuickBooks. I would then do the analytics, do the planning, you know, have the touch points where I explain what's going on in your business help you with growth planning. And then again, depending on what package you chose and what services I suggested for your specific business, I would do that piece with
1: you. Nice, that's awesome. Mm -hmm. Okay, point number three. I feel like I kind of segued into that one a little bit.
2: Yes. (laughs) So point number three for pitfalls is not knowing when to hire the right professional you know, real estate investors continue to try and do things themselves, maybe a little bit too long to the point where they get overwhelmed and, you know, potentially their books are a mess. And so just knowing when to engage with a professional is the key here. And so, you know, maybe in the one to three property range, you're still okay to kind of manage things yourself. Of course, if you have a corporation, you're probably going to accelerate that and have to, you know, log everything in QuickBooks, Getting your accounting software earlier and get a bookkeeper earlier. So definitely don't, you know, dawdle and get on that. Yeah. <laughs> but then, yeah, once you're kind of, you know, three plus properties, like you really need to start understanding your numbers, definitely. And so getting a CFO as part of your team is a good idea. And then obviously at the end of the year, you're going to be engaging with the tax accountant to do your filings and potentially any tax planning that you want to incorporate into, you know, following year for
1: sure i was totally that person it was this past year that my books were becoming quite a mess because we were just so busy growing our business and then like i had added some investments and it was just a nightmare and then i went to like do my taxes and my account was like brandon like it's time that you hire a bookkeeper and (laughs) like just (laughs) stop what you're doing so i can totally see like in my own business holding on too long. And I think a lot of that is like you feel like you don't want to give up that control necessarily right away. Yeah. And you don't always trust giving up that piece of it. But then once I did, I was like, wow, this is so eye-opening of like how much better someone can do this than me. Yeah. And the amount of time it freed up to pour back and they grow my business was so much better.
2: Yes. And I think the other piece is I think people just feel like, oh man, this is hit to my cash flow as well. So I totally get that. But then I do also remind them that, you know, once it becomes a mess and then you hand it over to your bookkeeper, it probably will take them, one, a long time to, you know, unravel everything. And then two, it probably will cost you more to do that entire cleanup than if you kind of you know, preemptively reached out ahead of time and said, Hey, you know, business is getting crazy, let's get started. So obviously have that in the back of your head that I know you're trying to, you know, be cautious with your spending, but it could cost you more in the long run if you hold on too long.
0: Yeah, I think the hardest part with hiring is for people to understand when Mm -hmm. and there's also like a big hurdle from a mindset perspective, because people automatically, maybe not from the accounting example, but Maybe if they're looking to hire an employee, they automatically think, like, okay, I'm hiring this employee for 40K a year. I'm out forty K for that year. But mm-hmm. it doesn't mean you are. Like if you hire someone as a contractor and it's just not working out and you're like, hey, you know what? I need to take a step back. You can do that. And you're not gonna be out 40K because you're gonna realize that early on. So that was a big mindset piece that I had to get over early on in my mortgage business. And Brandon and I both have seen big strides in our business just from hiring early mm-hmm. and taking a lot of the workload off our plate with mundane tasks, like getting documents signed and stuff like that. So I can definitely agree with that. Other than the accounting piece and bookkeeping and CFO, like is there any other type of position or anything else that real estate investors are leaning towards to offload a bunch of their tasks that you see, like a VA or something?
2: Yeah, I do see that um, a lot of investors are using virtual assistants to help with the administrative stuff behind the scenes. You know, maybe they're also hiring someone to help with content creation or something on okay. the marketing side of things. Mm-hmm. I do see that as well. You know, whether that be on social media, you know, maybe running their website or email marketing and, you know, there's all different components of the marketing side. Again, it really depends on the scale of the investor. You know, some of my bigger clients have a team, like they might have an operations manager. They might have like a marketing manager, like actual staff, like running their business. But of course, some of the smaller ones might be doing everything. And no typical entrepreneur wearing all hats at the beginning, right? Which we're all familiar with.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> I think there's a few pieces you might add if you're doing a lot, like, you know, have that lawyer that's always ready to respond to you, even if it's a weird time or weekend, dedicated realtor, broker, those kinds of pieces that come to your team. I yes. just round out everything. Everyone knows all the moving pieces and it makes it a lot cleaner as things are going forward.
2: Mm-hmm. So- Right,
1: exactly. Awesome. Well, Stephanie, thank you so much for coming on today. For anyone who's looking for Stephanie's services, it's reifinance.ca. And your Instagram handle as well is REI Finance, correct?
2: Reifinance.ca yes.
1: Perfect. We'll have it in the show notes too. Yeah, we'll put it in the show notes. Okay. Really today we established that when you're scaling up, add to your team earlier than expected because it will save money mm-hmm. and it will offer a lot of insights so that you can grow bigger and faster. Awesome. Thank you so much for
2: having you guys.
1: Yeah, our pleasure. Thanks, Stephanie.